Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. Today, you're going to be hungry for chips and salsa. I know. We're talking tortilla chips. Like, I love tortilla chips. I can't even wait to unpack, no pun intended, today's. Like, we've got flavors like lime zest. We've got flavors like restaurant style. I know that's not really a flavor, but it's kind of like the style. I love it. (laughs) And I can't even wait for you to meet my guest. Josh Deeth is on the podcast today. Josh, so great to have you. Thanks, Justin. Really glad to be here. Appreciate it. I am so excited. I do. I you know I don't know of anybody who doesn't like tortilla chips. Even like I I don't know of one person. And what I think is so cool about yours is vegan, kosher, and gluten free. Like and they look delicious. So um, but I'm jumping way ahead. So yeah. uh, Josh, before we get to kazoo snacks um and all, all of your your products here, share with us a little bit about you and what you were doing before launching the brand. Yeah, um, I, I'm a lawyer. I work in the intellectual property space and have worked in regulated industries such as banking and, and pharmaceutical. I was also involved with um, the launch of a product which has done quite well in the States called CleanWell, which was a ah. non-toxic disinfectant in the CPG space. Very cool. Love that. Yep. And also Benefect, which is sort of the parent um, formulation for CleanWell. So I've been dabbling in CPG off and on for a while, but as I said, a, a lawyer, and that really does shape... <laughs> <laughs> Some of the approach that I took with the uh, with Kazoo, and we can get into that as we. I love it. Okay. So you're a lawyer. I love that. Um, I can't wait to hear how that played into things. Um, And you were doing work around the industry, which is great because that gives you some insight and and whatnot in terms of how things work. Um, Talk about why you chose the tortilla chip space. Um, Where did this idea come from? And like, give us some of the, the backstory on Kazoo. Yeah. So, you know, it's fair to say I'm a frustrated entrepreneur and have been trying to find an angle and path forward to have my own business. Um, mentioned I dabbled before in the in the consumer products disinfectant space, but really kazoo came out of I um, when I eat low carb, my blood sugar gets better. Got and it. so I was trying to find a healthier, better for you snack that tasted good. And, you know, there are a lot of products out there and I don't don't mean to disparage people, but kale chips and things of this nature, which are, sure. yeah, they're low carb, but they just, they don't taste like what you're expecting. And, you know, they look like a tortilla chip, they're shaped like it, but they don't taste like it. Uh, so going down the path, I realized with the tortilla chip, we could actually, because it's all ground up, the corn's ground up, we could pull off some of the sugars. And so we could help with changing the profile of the, of the tortilla chip while still using all corn. And that's how we ended up with our formulation, which, by the way, took four years and about three different labs. Oh, to my gosh. I can't even wait. That's where I was going yeah. next. Um, by the way, up, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, by the way, I love your logo. Very, very cool. Oh, catchy, you. And the packaging is amazing. Um, so you decide you're going to do tortilla chips. Like, wh- how did you start? Did you have to, did, did you start with formulation or finding someone that could help you make the product? Like you said, pull the sugars out of corn. Like, how did that all begin? Yeah, so it was classic, um, probably like most food entrepreneurs, playing around in the kitchen, um, nearly set the house on fire a couple of times <laughs> with boiled oil. We have, a, we have a gas burner, <laughs> a gas stove, and the oil boiled over a few times, and I had to rapidly sort of stop it from hitting the uh, propane burn or the, the oh gas burn. Yes. But that was just experimentation with the theories, 
And again, I'm a lawyer, but the thing I love about chemistry is you can play around with theories and then you can start to validate them with real chemists who actually know what they're doing. So I uh, started experimenting with different things to replace corn germ with. And we tried some products from the ethanol industry, distiller grains. Um, we tried making some of our own uh, corn, which we removed the sugars and then cooked it. Uh, we weren't, we were able to sort of achieve a chip. We had the cohesiveness, just tasted terrible. And so <laughs> never, uh, good. <laughs> never good, never good. And that was sort of job number one for us was the chip has got to taste good. Doesn't matter how great it is for you or the planet. It doesn't taste good. It's doing nothing. So, <laughs> that's so we, true. <laughs> yes. And people will not so, buy it. <laughs> no, no. They'll buy it once and then that's that's one and done. So we um, uh, started exploring sort of different alternatives, different sources of what we ended up using, which was corn germ. And uh, in the ethanol industry, the corn germ is broken off because they want the sugars too, because they fermented into ethanol, but they don't want the germ, which is mostly oil and protein. But, but because of their... It's called a wet fractionation process. It's just a very burnt, yeasty tasting leftover. <laughs> and we we could not get that to taste. It's There's a lot good. of it <laughs> really cheap, but we could not get it to taste good. So we went to the corn starch industry, which uh, produces corn starch for the food industry. So uh, corn syrup and, you know, hot, high fructose, glucose, all those sorts of things. There's, sure. a, there's a ton produced and they're like ethanol. They don't want the uh, germ. They just want the starch. And so there's a, there's a huge supply of this germ that was available and we started formulating with it and it was harder to work with, but I ended up working with the top food corn scientists in Mexico and they, they wanted to work with me because they said, nobody's ever done this before. Wow. So they were, they were intrigued as scientists to experiment with this formulation. And that's where ultimately we got, we got to a point where we have a 40% inclusion of this germ uh, corn germ into the tortilla chip, patent pending. And it, uh, it tastes fantastic because the germ has a lot of the corn oil and the wow. corn oil has a lovely taste. Tastes like corn. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> yes. a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's polyunsaturated corn oil. So it's healthy for you and lots of nutrients and, um, and such. So it, it's, uh, we were able to formulate it. It's a better tasting chip. And we have the water savings claim on pack as well, which was quite a, uh, we got lucky with that, I must admit, because I, the upcycled movement sort of developed while we were already nearing conclusion of our formulation with the germ. Wow. Yeah. And we've had a couple upcycled brands on. It's just always incredible. Um, and really, really, I love the, the, the story behind it. Um, so, you know, you, you mentioned earlier that this took some time. How long from initial idea to uh, something that tastes good and, and, and uh, along the way, what did that look like? Uh, yeah, it was four years, um, a lot of money, a lot of my own money. Um, you know, you didn't have anything to pitch to investors. Right? You couldn't show anything, right? No. Well, <laughs> oh, you could show frankly, a package, but <laughs> you didn't want them to eat that, right? Not yet. <laughs> So, so two years ago, yeah, you can show a package and all your theories and what I believe this will be. And two years ago, I had the opportunity to uh, share my samples um, with a, an ex Frito Lay executive, oh, very good. kind enough to sample them. And they were also very frank in their feedback. They said, "This doesn't taste very good." <laughs> so, so that was two years ago. And in the, in the subsequent two years, we re-engineered it, and that's where we were really working with the formulation, the blend, even though a tortilla chip is corn, oil, and salt, and a little bit of um, calcium hydrate to sort of make it break down the fibers, uh, playing around with that corn germ and how to machine it. My, my, my uh, co-packer 
who's been in the business for 30 years, they said this is the most difficult thing they've ever done in their entire production. Wow. Now, it's working. <laughs> right. Of course. <laughs> but but uh, the first the first uh, 15,000 pounds was a complete throwaway batch. Oh. Because uh, it didn't scale the way everyone expected it to scale. Got it. It worked well on the bench, but then when they scaled it, it just uh, it went through a different process. So didn't it's work. been, no, it didn't work. And so I think, you know, from an upcycled perspective, using these upcycled ingredients, because they're non-standard and they're non-standard, they tend to lend themselves to a bit of a non-standard production process. Yeah. You need to sort of give yourself more money and more cycle sure. time no doubt. to experiment and to figure out the right path forward. And then what about packaging? Your packaging is great. I uh, love the logo. As I said, very catchy. It like stands out on a shelf, which I think is super important. Um, what did, how did you figure that out? And like, did you get some help there? How did that work? Yeah. Um, so I ended up working with a marketing company up here in Toronto, Canada, and they, their specialty, they're, they're ex CPG folk um, in the food industry. And that's Excellent. their specialty actually. Excellent. The, yeah. the founding partners, ex Frito. Oh, and very good. So, they had deep experience in the space and a lot of fantastic creative and expertise. It, it was a quite an iterative process, um, but I learned, as I have with many of the people I've retained, I've learned to trust their instincts and to trust their approach, even though if, if it felt a little bit uncomfortable, um, you know, if they were really persuaded it was the right decision, I, I, I gave them the green light. And I must admit, I appreciate the feedback we've gotten. That's pretty much universal feedback about yeah. the packaging from yeah. large CPGs uh, to the grocery chains uh, to consumers. People really, really love it. Yeah. And the the name, actually, I came up with the name. That's where and I was going I, next. I, got, I was yeah. going to ask, okay, where did Kazoo yeah. come from? You know, uh, so really got going with building the brand and launching it during the pandemic and didn't. And also we have that environmental message and, you know, there's some out there the Gretas of the world who sort of create a very angry image of sustainability. And we wanted, I wanted something very happy, very joyful, happy innocence. And I, and to me, when I was a kid, I can't play a musical instrument, but I remember with friends playing away in the kazoo and it was some of the happiest, most innocent carefree times of my life. Um, I have fond memories of goofing around and actually most people I talk to when I, when I raise this, everyone has a kazoo story. I, in the I love kazoos. Like I, I love it, you know, <laughs> yeah. like this is yeah. cool. It's catchy. Yeah. I mean, like I said, anybody that's been in the CPG for a while is going to like the packaging and the company name. I also like right. the snacking with an upside as your tagline. Very cool. Yeah. Kind of like underlying theme of up, upcycling, but also like, you know, better for you and all very, very cool. And that's the other thing, you know, I, I, I like to say we are, our brand is aspirationally healthy. Uh, I think, you know, most people in the world are not hardcore um, health advocates. They're aspirationally healthy. They're, they're trying, we're trying. Right. <laughs> so snacking with an upside was meant to say, we're going to snack. People are going right. to snack. At least there's some, there's some upside here. I think it's very cool. All right. So yeah. um, you took a couple years to get product tasting good. <laughs> And packaging right. Um, mm -hmm. I'm guessing you start off direct to consumer. I see you're in some retail stores like Hy-Vee, Market of Choice, and coming to some others here very soon. Um, what did that look like in terms of initial getting the product out to market and starting to build a brand? Yeah, um, I must admit, I, I, my skill set and, and what I really enjoy is on the R and D side and and packaging. And Phil, we did a great job with that. Um, the the next phase I always knew was my most difficult piece. Um, and I can say, I, I believe firmly in the, the, the old statement, 
you know, 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. <laughs> and we're definitely at the 99% stage here of getting it into the hands of buyers and on shelves. It is, it's challenging because the industry knows better for you. Like they get that. And there's a lot of, um, I will say lip service towards sustainability, but they haven't yet as an industry fully gotten their heads around what that really means. Um, even some of the leaders are still trying to figure out how to translate that oh, into product on shelves. No doubt. I, yeah. I get to see that every day and you're right. And you know, the things like what you're doing here are really attacking a niche that over yep. time is really going to grow and it's growing and the big guys are struggling to either innovate in the space or figure out acquisition, right. To grow in that space. Yep. yep. And, and that's where, um, having the conversations with the buyers, especially during the pandemic, because as you recall, they couldn't keep food on shelves. Right. People were buying <laughs> everything every, and they weren't getting foot traffic really. So for them to bring in a new brand was that they, they were quite transparent was a real struggle because they were smashing their numbers and they had limited shelf space and they weren't getting foot traffic. So how can they sort of start and you can't do sampling. So how can you start to message right. it? So that was, we're starting to break through that now and high V has been excellent and uh, we're in whole foods NorCal now and likely going to be expanding across more whole foods regions uh, in the next few months. Um, so we've gotten some really great response there and it's getting some momentum in that it's getting on shelves. People are tasting it. We're getting the rebuys. Um, but it is, I think, you know, my story, other stories, you've probably heard this much more than, than I have, but it seems to be it's a marathon, not a sprint. Right. And <laughs> Just because you get in store doesn't mean you made it. <laughs> no. I mean, but even, even talking to the buyers, like we'll talk to the same buyers, like, you know, four or five times. It'll be month one, month three, month six. And then the, the next time they do a category review, you're there again. And they're like, well, okay, well, things have changed or you're still here. So right. <laughs> we're willing to take a shot with you. So interesting. Um when did you did you say? Was there a time when you said, "Okay, this is real now. We're getting we're getting sales. We have a real product. We can start innovating now and coming up with our next line or flavors and whatnot." Was there a point where you said that? Or are you still kind of waiting for that moment? What's your where are you in that that uh, timeline? Yeah, so I went backwards on that. Like I said, because I enjoy innovating. Um, I believed a lot of rhetoric that was shared with me that said, oh, we're going to do X million year one. I said, X <laughs> right. right. Yes. And so I immediately shifted gears into the innovation space. Got and it. We, uh, we've got new flavors done, which are absolutely fantastic. We worked with Matson to get those developed. And we have, we're not just tortillas. Um, our methodology works with extruded. So puffs as well. Very good. Okay. Tortilla bread and crackers. And oh, so wow. those are on the, yeah, okay. quite abroad. All, all corn food, corn snacks. Corn we can, we can... food. Interesting. Okay. So I came into this today thinking, you know, chips and different, I'll say flavors of chips. And that's cool. That's interesting. I like that idea. Yeah. Gives you some breadth well, too, category breadth. That's right. And so I started expanding into that R&D, uh, getting packaging done, getting flavors done, and then realized, back to my earlier comment, we're on, we're getting on shelves, but it's not blowing through the doors like right. people have led us to believe. Um, to, I would say it's probably been in the past. So we just got on shelves in June of this year. I would say it's been in the past month when I realized that we've got something here. We've got legs. Uh, we just got into Whole Foods NorCal about six weeks ago. So we're just starting to sort of see that momentum. We did a 
we did a press release, just a news release that went on the wire. So nothing fancy, just we paid your 200 bucks and they right. put it up on the wire. <laughs> yep. And it got picked up by about 50 uh, trade publications. Wow. Um, yeah, a value of about a million dollars in ads. So wow. we were really surprised by that. And it caused us to pivot and to change our thinking. And, and it seems, and you know, I'm glad to be speaking to you. It seems the kazoo story is a story. It's it a different a story. story. No and doubt. people find it entertaining and interesting and want to hear about it. So we're looking to develop a social media campaign and that's hand in glove with distribution, but we see that this is something that probably can be shared, you know, through, through the, the, this type of medium and others to, to really get people excited and get product moving off shelves. No doubt. I mean, that's all part of it, right. Is building momentum. Now that you got product out there, you've got a good tasting product out there. You've got great branding, great packaging. It's now how do you accelerate trial, right. And people check it out and, um, and then repurchase this. So, um, interesting. And then as far as your pro, so for everyone listening, remember four years and in year four <laughs> to five, we're now getting some sales. It takes time. And this is a common theme as those of you that have been listening to our show for a long time know. Um, and so, it, but it's interesting just to see different companies, different brands, different types of brands and, and the time it takes really to get innovation, right? It's just fascinating. Yeah. Um, so, uh, looking ahead, what would be two or three keys to growth as you look in the next year? Well, you know, uh, taking a step back to your, you know, four year time frame, I'm really glad we spent that time in retrospect because our product tastes good. And every single buyer, they say, it doesn't matter how, you know, your price point, your claims, all that stuff. You could have the, you know, the saves the planet potato chip or corn chip. It doesn't, <laughs> it, no one's going to buy it. So it was time well spent on taste is number one. Absolutely, without a doubt, taste is the number one driver. I think <laughs> I, I I'm not going to mention any names, but I, I've I've uh, received a lot of great product, you know, from companies I've had on the podcast, and there are uh, you know close to 400 here episodes, so you know I'll, I'll keep this anonymous. But there have been one or two that um, you know excitedly I got the box and it was you know we sampled it and taste was terrible. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, it was so cool. Great story. I love this the idea of it. And then, but the, if the taste isn't there, it's like, I'm not going to go buy it again. You know what I mean? Yep. Anyway, it seems like basic, but um, so fascinating. Okay. So I always love to ask our guests two or three of the biggest lessons learned. You, I'm sure you've had many over the years. You'd mentioned having to shift co-packers once or twice. Um, and our, our listening audience loves advice and lessons learned. What would be two or three things you would share with them? Raise more money than you think you're going to need. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good. Uh, number one. Uh, point number two, uh, it it takes a lot of time, effort, because I'm assuming everyone's going to be working with co-packers and, and partners and consultants. And I think those are excellent resources. You can't do it all yourself, um, but you need to take time to really strategically pick those right uh, support partners for your team. Um, and price does not necessarily dictate quality, but in most, most cases it does. Uh, and so I think, you know, you can find people who are fantastic or consultants or, or organizations that are like extremely affordable, um, but over deliver results. Conversely, I've had a lot of scenarios where I've paid huge sums of money <laughs> and been fantastically disappointed with the outcome. And so I think that's, you know, you're going to need to find partners, spend the time and energy to really make sure you get the right, the right partners lined up. Uh, and then back to my earlier point, 
you need to gear up for the long haul. I think there's so much media buzz and hype and, you know, in the Bitcoin era and the NFT era and such TikTok that you're going to be an overnight millionaire. And that may be true in other industries, but CPG food, uh, it's very physical. People aren't eating digital bits <laughs> and totally. it, it takes cycles to go through the, um, the whole process at the grocery store. They have to do their um, grocery store uh, layouts. I can't remember what those are. Planograms, planograms right now. Planograms. Logistics, you have to ship products around. Um, oh, I guess I'll add a fourth point. The number one thing that caught me off guard, and it caught me off guard in this current era, which exposed my mistake, was the cost of freight. Oh, <laughs> that's a great point. And it hasn't been brought up in a while. It's interesting. Cost of freight. And you've got chips. Imagine if you had 12 packs of cans or 24 bottles. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I, and I will say the ex frito executives I spoke to, almost every single one of them, without me prompting them, talked about logistics and freight as being probably the most important things that they worked on to improve their profitability. And I would definitely have made different decisions with regard to facility location, warehouse location, all those sorts of things in recognition of the materiality right. of freight. And of course, now freight has gone through the roof. So totally. my errors were uh, completely exacerbated. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the only yeah. one dealing with that, by the way. Uh, no. CPG brands of all shapes and sizes are dealing with that challenge, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So cool. Um, and, and just so exciting. Uh, in your early days, i excited for where you're going, um, the potential for growth here. It's just so many retail that you're not even in yet. And non, like non-traditional retail, you've got some great um, potential. Uh, Josh, share with our audience where they can find you, connect with you, buy your product, etc. Right. Um, so our website, kazoosnacks.com is probably the best place. Uh, and you can drop us a note there. And please shop at Hy-Vee. And if you're in NorCal, uh, go to the Whole Foods and pick up the product. And uh, we haven't yet got e-commerce going because our boxes are nine bag boxes and those do not ship well. We learned that lesson too. <laughs> yeah, another <laughs> lesson learned, right? You just don't know. You don't know. That's right. <laughs> so crazy. Um, you got to come back on down the road. You've got so much more. Uh, you're, I think I, you're going to have a whole other set of stories in a year. So we hope to have you back on, Josh. And Ben, thanks for, for being here today with us. Be a pleasure. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.